Welcome to Podcast for Leaderful Schools, coming to you almost live from the Galileo Institute at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. Uh, my name is Bob Maxfield, and my wonderful co-host, Dr. Suzanne Klein, is with us today. Uh, we're doing probably episode 220 of this series right now. Uh, but in the, in the last year or so, we've interviewed a really interesting series of guests who have unique and interesting insights on public education during and after the pandemic. Uh, it's been a sea change time for public education, and uh, we hope that our listeners have followed along as we've brought a variety of uh, voices to that conversation. Today is no, uh, is no different. Uh, our guest is Mary Kay Gallagher, who is the superintendent of the Northville Community Schools. She's going to be retiring this year after 37 years of service, to, exemplary service to that school district, which is a pretty remarkable feat in and of itself. She has served as superintendent in the district since 2011. Welcome, Mary Kay. Let's, let's begin, though, by giving you a chance to reflect on your service uh, in Northville uh, that led to becoming superintendent. So what positions have you held? That's a, you know, that is really, for our listeners, an interesting journey. For That's a pretty unusual one. Yes, I uh, thank you for having me today. Um, I was hired into Northville Public Schools in April of 1985 as the early childhood program coordinator. We were in the midst of enrollment declines uh, across Michigan and the district was closing Marine Elementary School as a result of declining enrollment um, and had the vision and foresight to open an early childhood program, which was um, somewhat pilot experimental, um, and so I, I actually joined NPS then at, at $10 an hour, no benefits, um, coming right out of school at a time when uh, teaching positions weren't available, and I really think um, as a result of um, uh, the pay offered, I, I had this opportunity where more experienced folks might not have been willing to do that, so um, I, I was hired in to um, begin that program. We encompassed community education programs that were already a part of the district, but added um, a full day uh, childcare program along with expanding our after school programs. And so that program um, launched and it continued to grow. And I had the opportunity to get involved also in K uh, kindergarten through second grade curriculum development. And so I was in that position for nine years and then had the opportunity when Moraine reopened as an elementary school um, to uh, take the position as Moraine Elementary School principal. Our early childhood program had moved uh, downtown to our Main Street school. And um, in that position, um, I, I was in that position for 12 years and really had um, a great opportunity to build leadership capacity across our teachers and students. That's when the Galileo program launched um, that I know we'll talk more about. Um, and in uh, 2002, we became a national school of character really as a result of shared leadership. Um, and then I uh, became assistant superintendent for instructional services and uh, was in that position for five years. Um, and again, was really involved in the Galileo leadership program during that time um, in, in my position there and really had the opportunity to, to move our district goals 
um, more in the direction of um, alignment with um, learning communities and Rick DeFore's work. And so um, that, that work continued to be foundational and then um, became superintendent in 2011, as Bob said, and I've been uh, serving as superintendent for 11 years. So what's changed over the course of time? I, when I joined the district, we had about um, 3,200 students. We now have over 7,200 students. And I think we've really grown um, in our diversity as a school community with our students and families speaking over 50 languages. Um, and we've also, had our building and facilities age and, and have had the opportunity to, to make some tremendous improvement to those facilities and really um, move our environments to more flexible learner-centered classrooms. So that, that work was inspired by our entire community and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Galileo's influence in, in that work too. So lots has happened over the course of, of the past four decades, so. And it sounds like you've had an interesting role to play, Mary Kay, as you began and then moved through the changes you described as Northville was expanding its reach in terms of the number of students it served, but also looked at how the district was going to effectively serve every child who came every day. So putting your superintendent hat on for reflection for a minute, I know that um, there are issues that have woken you up in the middle of the night, but I also know there are things that you're very, very proud of. Let us in a little bit on your thinking about both of those. Why don't we start with the ones that you're very proud of? I would say mo what I'm most proud of, um, and, and this goes back to my early childhood days, so the, over the course of time here in Northville Schools, I think the growth in our culture of learning and leadership has been really instrumental. And, and that focus on learner voice and agency, I think we're seeing that bear out in the research how critical that is. Um, I, I think our vision work in, in moving to build on a tradition of excellence, but that whole idea of opening a world of possibilities for and with our students is something um, that I'm really proud of, um, our work collectively. Um, Northville's had a longstanding commitment to what we now call multi-tiered systems of support, but that peer uh, intervention, early intervention, um, mm -hmm. and certainly we've continued to build on the work of many folks in that regard. And I think more recently, too, that, that focus that's on the academic end of things, but also on the social-emotional health and well-being side of that equation. Um, I think the work that uh, Northville has been a longstanding commitment bringing students together. So through Peer Pals, Peer Links, our unified teams, um, we've had the, the great fortune to have a center-based special education program as part of our district um, over the course of, well, since they um, uh, deinstitutionalized special education. It, um, that's been a part of our Northville community and that's been a strength of ours in terms of bringing different learners together and building on each other's strengths. And then I think the other piece I would say is really moving our, our district goal setting processes to um, a focus on learning 
um, and, and growth mindset. And so, and also moving to five-year cycles so that we weren't um, jumping from thing to thing year, year after year, but that long-term continuous goal setting really center, centered around our vision and purpose. So those are, those are things I'm proud of. Um, when, when we think about the things uh, that keep us up at night, um, that list has certainly grown, I think, in the past, in the past couple of years, but um, school safety and security, Mm-hmm. That that gnawing thing of 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 how do we make sure we're going about creating safe and secure environments and and certainly I believe very strongly in in all of the work that we just spoke about MTSS and how we're providing an intervention and support is foundational to that work but then there's that resp- crisis response piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the growing polarization and, and divisiveness across our country has, has come into our schools. And I think that um, has created tremendous challenges and, and certainly has set forth um, the, more, the greater work that we have to do in fostering inclusive school communities. Um, we, we certainly have marginalized students um, that, that um, we need to continue to give thought to. Um, and then the pandemic, you know, the, the needing to be more agile and flexible and respond more quickly than ever before and be able to shift on a, on a dime uh, has challenged our schools and organizations tremendously. When you think about how many students we have in our schools and needing to move organizations that quickly, I think um, that's had some learning opportunities, but it, it's definitely challenged our systems from my lens. Well, and waking up in the middle of the night and trying to decide which way to pivot based on the information from the previous day, I know has been very much the, the life of anyone working in schools, particularly those that, that are in the superintendent central office principal chairs. Yes. It's also been on the shoulders of our teachers. And that whole notion you talked about earlier, Mary Kay, about teacher voice, um, certainly makes me think of the Galileo Teacher Leadership Consortium, Northville being one of the founding members in 1997. And I know that's something that you're very proud of uh, as part of the district's heritage and, and mindset, to use the same word you used a few minutes ago. It's a lens through which you view how effective the schools are. So as you think about that experience with Galileo, how might other superintendents, um, as you would be offering advice from your perspective, do that effective support uh, for both principal and teacher leadership, that notion of leading from the middle of the organization, not just the central office? What advice would you offer? Well, I I guess I'm going to start and and just speak a little bit to, to how Galileo kind of impacted Northville schools and, and our leadership. And, and that goes back to the principal leadership. I think um, one of the foundational pieces at, at that time in Galileo was um, Linda Lambert and, and lead, leadership capacity. Yes. And I can tell you, I, I had like six Galileo um, leaders that were part of our Marine school community. So I myself didn't go through the Galileo program, but one of the big principles um, was making sure we had our Galileo folks on our school improvement teams. And so that whole idea of building shared vision and um, we, we did the um, 
ZCI chart where we, we actually surveyed our staff and what decisions do you want to be involved in making? What decisions do you want to just be informed about? Mm -hmm. and, and, and what do you need to just know about once the decision's been made? Those, those pieces really became part of our school community, our, our work on intrinsic motivation and, and student voice and how do you engage teachers in supporting our kids in their learning. All of that um, kind of led to our growth within our elementary school. But then the work with Stephen Covey continues to be a driving force. And when um, we were invited out to that conversation with Sean Covey and they launched um, Leader in Me Schools. Yes. You know, I, I bought um, 11 copies of that book that night and <laughs> we had book studies uh, across the district and that Wonderful. led to two of our elementary schools going on the Leader in Me journey and becoming Lighthouse Schools. And now um, years later, all six of our elementary schools are our leader in me lighthouse schools and have adopted that framework. And why I think that's so powerful is it, it, it addresses um, what our teachers are doing. So there's that teacher lighthouse team and teacher feedback, our student leaders, and then that family connection. So that framework um, involves everyone. It also connects academic goals to the social emotional learning goals. I think so yes. many times in, in the programs that are out there, they're either character education programs or they're academic programs and the connecting of the two together has been powerful. And I think that leadership capacity work rises to the district level because you're really taking a look at how your principals have a voice in what's happening in your district. And then at the building level, teachers are involved in looking at their um, sphere of influence and, and taking a look at where they have impact. So in that idea of leading from everywhere in your organization, that it's not about your title, it's about your action. Mm -hmm. um, so as I have applied that, when I think about the role of the superintendent, certainly gets more challenging because you have more voices in your ears and you're answering to your community, you're answering to seven individual board members. So there's a lot of variables in the mix, but if you can build systems where that voice is a part of your process, um, I, I think that's tremendous. I also think the more recent work on teachers as facilitators, leaders as facilitators, Carolyn McCander's work. Um, I, I think that's been very impactful in terms of having protocols, norms that you set up, sure. and um, processes for bringing divergent voices together and, and still being able to move the work. Because I think so often we just get caught up in um, planning and never actually executing. And I think having some of those structures in place have been powerful for us. We're certainly not doing it perfectly. And I think one of the pandemic challenges is the speed of information and changes and, and the, the ways in which we had to pivot mm -hmm. in some cases, in many cases, didn't allow for those structures to, to be followed. And so people either felt left out of, of decision-making or felt like their voices weren't heard. And so I think as we come back together 
now um, um, trying to figure out those systems that allow you to continue to have the voice and have the right people at the table and, and make sure you have structures in place for hearing voices, um, but do that in ways that um, are, are effective in terms of moving, moving on decisions a little more quickly. Um, I think another lesson has been you don't have to be perfect at what you do. You need to do something and then set up systems for feedback loops and monitoring and adjusting. Um, so I think that's probably another piece of, of learning that we are trying to um, grow from. Well, you've yes, just made yes, a wonderful okay. transition to our next question, which is you know, reflecting on the impact of the pandemic. But before I even get into that, uh, let me just take a loop back. Uh, your description of the impact of Galileo on a district and uh, what needs to be involved in systemically engaging it in the entire culture of the community was marvelous. So congratulations for that. That, that was that's what I would like to capture in print. So uh, well done. But let's get back to the, the notion of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, I mean, some argue that it's brought out the worst in some people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's caused, it's, it's certainly revealed flaws in some systems, uh, but regardless of whether it's a strong system like yours or one that's a little more challenged, lessons were learned and things are being done to reset and reimagine. So talk a little bit about what changes have occurred in Northville during those last, uh, during the last couple of years. Well, we've had oh, a number of things. I, I, you know, we had a, we had a good process with our district goals and a vision around a unified content management system as one example. I, I think what the pandemic did was fast forward that. So in, in many ways, we leapt forward with, with um, because we had to decide on a unified content management system and how, because we had a million things going on before. We had Google Classroom, we had some people using a variety of different programs. And so we initially drove our, our kids nuts and our families nuts with 8 million logons and, and that kind of thing. So we certainly had, had rapid movement toward unifying our content man management system and finding some unified uh, passwords and single access. So that, that's been a huge learning curve for everyone. But we moved more quickly on that than would have definitely been the case otherwise. So that that was a, a, a lesson learned. Um, I think we were um, challenged to, and, and folks rose to the occasion in terms of finding new ways to connect with one another, to facilitate learning. We figured out different ways to gather. Um, our PTAs, our parents and community found different ways to safely still connect and offer opportunities for kids. So that, that was awesome. Um, we've certainly strengthened our appreciation for nature and use of outdoor spaces. We use them more fully. We use them year round in different ways. So I, I think and hope that that's something that we would continue to do. Um, we've also, um, from my lens, um, you know, we, we've talked about uh, virtual access and online learning. We certainly have strengthened our ways of 
offering online learning in more engaging ways. But at the same time, I think we've really had the importance of human connection reinforced. And, and we've learned how many different aspects of our school communities and our learning environments are important to our children and families. I, I you know, um, going out on the playground and being able to interact with all kids. Um, we, we had small group, uh, we, we were fortunate and I, and I think got good outcomes. Our, our elementary schools were, our kids were fully 100% in person, but they were in small cohorts and we had some rotating teachers. Um, so we also learned um, that in many ways, our, our small cohorts, the kids got to know each other better and explored some different friendships, but then they also learned the limitations of, of being in a group of 15 and not interacting outside of your cohort. So, so we definitely learned that our, our kids and our families value gathering and being able to connect with other kids and make different choices with peer groups. Um, and I think we've also learned um, as we're recovering and, and coming back together, in many ways, our, our kids are having to relearn being a part of a peer group and part of those daily interactions. And we're seeing that coming into kindergarten, coming into sixth grade, coming into high school, it isn't just our, our youngest kids. So I think that's been a, a lesson learned. We've certainly um, realized uh, that, that we need the in-person. Um, we've also been stretched. We saw more people participating in parent-teacher conferences. We had more dads, for example, and, and uh, full-time working parents that were able to connect. So as we move forward from the pandemic, really trying to figure out what that mix of in-person and hybrid learning is, um, offering more opportunities when we do our parent camp and workshops, having a combination of virtual offerings with in-person, parent conferences, same thing. So we're trying to figure out um, what that mix might look like. Um, so those are, that's just a handful. Certainly, I, I think that's what we've been hearing from across our schools. Um, so we're doing that. And I think we've also, um, while still challenged on how to execute this um, uh, system-wide, but I, I really think we've made some tremendous growth in using technology differently and, and instead of just um, transitioning what we used to do with a pencil to something that we're doing on a tablet now. I mean, just really looking at technology, expanding access to content area experts and connecting with kids across the world and, and finding new ways to um, um, gather and support one another. Um, and oh, I don't want to miss this either. I, I think we've knew this before, but, but saw it in action. Project-based learning, our, our um, STEM focus, um, hands-on, real-life problems, being able to manipulate materials and um, collaborate together. That can be done in an online environment, certainly, but, um, but that uh, um, gathering with people and 
putting your hands on objects and being able to collaborate and create together. Um, that that's something that I, I think our kids miss during that time that we're really seeing um, a, a need for. So considering all the pivoting that you had to do, you've come out the other end of those experiences in Northville with a wealth of new learning um, about how systems work, what new systems are needed, what kind of supports are needed, what kind of connections with parents, what kind of professional development for teachers. It, it gives you in your head a menu of things to attend to, um, not only as superintendent, but building the systems with others in the district. Knowing that there are going to be some changeovers in leadership, not only in Northville, but in other places um, all over the, the country, and certainly we're no different here in Michigan. When you think about the increased rate of retirement for school-level leaders, teachers, and support staff, how do we as a profession not only recruit, um, prepare, and then retain high-talent teachers and administrators? What has the pandemic lessons taught you, plus your, your life experience in Northville schools? Well, you know, we've, we've had our eyes opened on, on the necessity and the value of every person across our organization, you know, in our food services and, and with our bus drivers, uh, with our substitute teachers, and, and then our, our professional, our teachers, our administrators, absolutely. Um, I, I think we've got to address wages, and I, I, I think... Um, uh, if you look back to, to when we had pension reform and, and then looked at when we saw declining numbers in our teacher um, uh, development programs, I, I, I think there may be a correlation there. I, I, we used to offset um, the wage scale with, with the benefits and, and future opportunities. So we absolutely have to address that. If we, um, our, our Dave Rogers, who's our um, assistant soup for human resources kind of puts it this way, you know, when you've got a couple of different students entering college and you look at a five-year teacher preparation program, a year-long internship without pay, and then future earning potential, and you, you compare teaching to other you know, STEM fields and right. other avenues, you know, that they're just not competing. And I, I know this about uh, what we need in our educators. We need our brightest and our finest and our creative thinkers and our innovators to be there teaching our, our kids and working with our kids. So I think that absolutely has to be thought about. And then certainly, um, I think out of the pandemic, we, we experienced it at the local level, which has happened in every single school district. I, I think um, parents and families have, have simultaneously garnered a, a greater appreciation for teachers and, and the challenge of that work. Now, how do we translate that into, you know, across our society um, valuing our teachers um, and our, our, our principals, our facilitators, our educators. So I think those things um, are absolutely critical to our future. Um, and then um, we, we also, as a profession, need to continue to move forward and how we collaborate and work together, how we share that work with our students 
um, because we, we can't be reinventing the wheel in classroom after classroom after classroom. We have to capitalize on that collective expertise um, uh, because we're called upon. I mean, we, we did a, a big lesson that I, I, I think I neglected to mention before is we knew this before, but it's certainly been um, increased or you saw it firsthand more extensively is is the impact of trauma on, on learning. And so what we need to be there to offer our kids, um, we need knowledgeable folks, we need to work together. So we definitely have to make sure our, our teachers, our professionals, our um, counselors, social workers, mental health providers all have um, the tool sets and, and the, the materials and equipment and, and opportunities um, um, to impact our kids. So um, we really need to, as a society, place that investment um, in, in the future of our world. We also saw that whole interconnectedness across the globe. I think we've experienced mm -hmm. that firsthand with supply chain and, and a myriad yes. of other things. And so I think that's been another significant um, piece is that our, our kids have the opportunity of all these global connections, but they also have um, the impact of, of the weight of worry and concern of an entire globe on their shoulders too. Well, that leads into the, the next question that I have for you. One of the initiatives here from Oakland's Galileo Institute has been looking at how we might support not only teacher leaders, but school superintendents, knowing that the jobs that they have uh, are tremendously important in local communities and for creating successful learning conditions, not only for students, but for staff, engagement for parents, community support of the efforts and priorities of the school district, all the things that you've been describing over your interview that Northville has worked so hard on creating, developing, and maintaining. As you think about entering into a superintendency, if you were starting from the beginning, um, as someone was starting from the beginning, what advice, what are the two or three things, Mary Kay, that you would be talking with that person over coffee about saying, you know what, if you get these right, this is going to be a start of a very successful opportunity for learning and teaching in your organization. What would you be talking with them about? Oh, I, a couple of things. I, I think first you've got to be authentic, be yourself. Um, listen, listen, listen. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think the other, I, a quote comes to mind, you know, that I, I just shared in a, in a recent presentation. Um, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. Um, yes. uh, but if you want to go deep, <laughs> you go together. And so, um, you know, leading a school district isn't about your personal vision. It, it, it is about shared vision and coherence. And you only get there by listening, um, hearing. Uh, and I also know, I think one of the, the things that um, you always have to be mindful of that is a challenge is people take your words in whatever form they might be. And, um, and then that becomes the thing. So you, when you are listening and having conversation, you have to be very thoughtful about facilitation and about um, what, what comments you're making so that, uh, you know, so I often will say we're, we're brainstorming here or we're mm -hmm. 
sharing conversation. This isn't a decision, you know, that kind of thing. So you always have to be mindful of, of what you say and what you do. Um, and I, I think the other thing about leadership is, is we, we all have egos and, and you can't do this work without having some strength and fortitude and commitment to your values. I mean, I sleep at night while keeping my focus on kids and asking myself, is, is this decision, can I lay my head down on the pillow tonight with this right. decision? But, um, but at the same time, our, our lead, you do have to kind of check your ego at the door because this is about the work. It's about the kids. It's about our collective work. It's not about, you know, Mary Kay Gallagher or, or getting that title of superintendent. Right. It's, it's about our collective work. So, um, so that, that's advice that I would share. And, um, and, and just remember, you're not alone. I, I guess the, the greatest thing that you do as leaders um, in the thoughtful work is, is gather folks together because it can be a lonely position. So I have had the great fortune to, you know, connect with, with other superintendents. And, and so, and for me, that, that also has been other women that have led um, districts to, 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 you know, they've, they've been peers with me, you know, Andrea and Livonia and Monica and Plymouth Canton. Um, I think you need to have those thought partners. And that actually is, is other advice too. We've kind of moved away from the idea of mentorship uh, just across our team. We'll, we'll often begin conversations with, I just want a thought partner on this. Um, so those kinds of strategies, I think, as a superintendent, you need to be mindful of too. Um, you know, I think I think that any new superintendent would be wise to listen to just exactly what you just said in the last three or four minutes. Those are, that's wonderful, wonderful advice. So before we end, um, I'm going to ask you to tell us something about what your future plans are. Before we do that, though, is there anything that you that you wish you'd said today that we just didn't think to ask? I, you know, I just have had the incredible opportunity to learn with and from so many different people that across Galileo, across Northville schools, and in my own education, I, I went to Detroit Public Schools and had a principal by the name of Dorothy Fisher. I was part of Region 7 Middle School, which was during voluntary um, desegregation in Detroit. Um, I went to Dominican High School and Dan Hogan had a, a culture that was set up like uh, student Congress and faculty Senate and uh, the executive branch was the principal. I, I had the opportunity to have voice in my education in Detroit um, at Dominican and at Michigan State and then across my career. And so education matters. It makes a difference. It offers opportunities. And I, and I went from... $10 an hour in early childhood to superintendent here in Northville. So yeah. um, I'm you can incredibly make, blessed. Superintendent, we can make $12 or $13 an hour. So it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, when you, when you, my husband <laughs> often reminds me of that when you took, take a look at the hours, but anyway. So what's next? What's next for Mary Kay Gallagher? Uh, time here, for family and happen. friends. I, I, I'm looking forward to taking classes at Schoolcraft just for the joy of learning, um, being a part of book clubs, and, and I'll stay involved in our 
Rotary Club and volunteering. You might find me in a lunchroom one of these days. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So really, I'm just looking forward to more flexibility with time and and uh, uh, not having quite so many things that keep you up at night. So, but hopefully, mm -hmm. just uh, yeah, keep my brain working. <laughs> and not to worry about snow days. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to bestow my wand upon um, Dr. R.J. Weber. Yeah. Except what you'll hear from Suzanne and me is that for the first couple of years, you're still going to be waking up in the middle of the night when there's a snowstorm. So it'll happen. Yes. Yep. Yep. I, I can imagine. I That's my next conversation is to get your words of wisdom for how, because I have a little, uh, no small amount of fear over um, um, not doing enough with my time. So <laughs> you have no doubt that you'll use it well. So thank you, Mary Kay Gallagher. You were it was a wonderful interview. Uh, lots thank and you. lots of wisdom we're sharing, and I'm so glad you were able to join us for this. Well, and thank to our you listeners, for stretching my comfort zone. <laughs> our pleasure. You were, very, you were very comfortable. Thank so you. So to our listeners, thank you for being part of this installment of Podcast for Leaderful Schools. As always, we're coming to you almost live from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. Please stay tuned as we continue this very engaging series about the future of public education.